Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. How and why did Jesus talk about money? It's a fact that Jesus spoke about money a lot in the New Testament. And I find that so interesting because it is absolutely clear that Jesus does not benefit in the slightest from our wealth or from our money. Paul said in Acts chapter 17, 24 and 25, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So brothers, if Jesus doesn't need our money, why did he talk about it so much? Well, I, I mentioned in one of our earlier shows that I, I really believe that Jesus recognized that money is the chief competitor in our lives for the place that belongs to God alone. Um, so, sometimes we think idolatry was something that people did in the ancient world when they made little statues and got down on their knees and bowed down to their little statue and made sacrifices to their little statue, and that was idolatry. Well, no, idolatry is taking anything created and putting that in the place of God and making it our ultimate devotion rather than our creator. It's the very first sin, um, and it's the, well, the very first commandment that, that God gave of the, of the Ten Commandments, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, you shall have no other gods before me. And uh, we tend to make an idol. Uh, We tend to make a god out of money. And Jesus warns us against that because that idolatry uh, will destroy our hearts. It will will violate our relationship with God. Um, uh, It's corrosive. Money, it's, it's been, this line isn't original to me, uh, but it's, uh, but I really like it. Uh, money is a terrible master and a wonderful servant. Mm. If you make it your master, uh, it will destroy you. Uh, but if Christ is your master and money is dedicated to his service, you can do a whole lot of good. And I think this is a helpful reminder. If Jesus talked about money so much, it, it should just extend from that, that that your minister ought to be talking about it too. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of ministers hesitate to talk about money because it seems self-serving. I'm going to talk about money because I want um, giving to increase in the church. Now, it's really a gospel implication. Your ministers are going to be talking about money because they know what's going to be a threat to your heart. They know what's going to be a threat to your affections. They know what's going to challenge your love for Christ. 
and and what's going to get in the way of of your love for Christ. And and if you go through the New Testament and see the ways in which Jesus spoke about and talked talked about money, you see that Jesus was trying to expose what's what were people's affections were and how they viewed what God had given. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a stewardship issue, but it's also a Christ was trying to free people up to say, no, your greatest treasure is me. Mm-hmm. And if you make your greatest treasure something else, it will not satisfy. And so when your your pastor speaks about money and being free with it, what they're trying to do is free you up um, to live how God intends. It's not because they're worried about the bottom line of your, your church budget. Yeah, there's There's something I've said to our church many times, and it always makes our treasurer it makes our church treasurer very nervous when i say if you think that i'm trying to that i'm talking about money because i want to raise the budget of our church if you think that then please give to some other christian organization or cause G- give your tithe somewhere else and give generously mm. paul said in 1st timothy 6:7 for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Another author summed up that verse by saying, there are no U-Hauls behind hearses. All the money that we have will very soon become absolutely worthless to us, brothers. So how should that affect the way that we use our money for the kingdom of God? Now, I mean, maybe just a, maybe just one thing, right? Reflect on the idea that when you die, your money is worthless to you in your in the next age. Yes, and all the possessions that you acquired. You know, it's an old cliche, you can't take it with you. And it really is true, but there are things that you can invest in that have eternal consequences. And of course, this is what Jesus was getting at in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In other, in other words, where things are temporary. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures that are, that are going to crumble into nothing eventually. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm-hmm. Um and, and once again, Jesus is a, a brilliant psychologist. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be. Our heart will be directed toward where we are investing our, our treasures. Yeah. Uh, you want your heart to be directed to the kingdom. Part of that is invest in the kingdom. Yeah. Give to kingdom work. And once again, I'll say it again. And if my, our church treasurer is listening, go ahead and be nervous. <laughs> if you think I'm trying to raise a budget for our church which God has always taken care of, by the way, then give somewhere else. Yeah. Find, find some other Christian cause that you believe in. Now, I, I say that rhetorically because I do believe Christians should give to their church body where, where you worship, where you belong. I think you have a, an obligation to support that work. Um, but uh, uh, I, I mean it rhetorically, but, I, but actually kind of literally too. If you think I'm just trying to raise the budget, Give it somewhere else. And I think we just have to be careful that we don't go in from one ditch into the other. Um, God's not calling us to be reckless and irresponsible for with the, the, 
the gifts that he's provided, the the monetary gifts that he's given. So you, it's okay to do a retirement fund. It's okay to set aside an emergency fund. Absolutely. You, you want to be taking care of your family. Um, so that's one of the responsibility of parents that they um, do not leave their, their families um, financially um, in, in hardship. I mean, scriptures talk about that those that don't provide for their, their families are worth, worse than an infidel mm-hmm. right. or worse than an unbeliever. Right. And so it, this is not talking about being irresponsible. Um, what it, it's really saying is it's not about how much you amass by the end of your life. Be responsible in life and be generous in life with that which is, is in excess to that which is, uh, is being responsible with what you have. Yes. And that's the balance, that's the tension that you'll have to wrestle with on an individual level. We, we can't say everybody should do X, Y, and, and, and Z. You have to prayerfully say, God, what, what's a responsible way to, to look at what you've given me? How much should I be setting aside for this? How much for this? And how much then can I use for gospel work, for, for a life of ministry? You yeah. know, as a, as a pastor, um, and, I've, and maybe you guys do the same thing. I, well, pastors have some weird habits, and uh, one of the weird habits of pastors is reading the obituaries. I, I read the obituaries. Uh, I I'm sorry, I don't do that. Yes. <laughs> I have way other weirder habits than yeah, that. Okay. <laughs> Doggone it, I have to agree that I do this. Yeah. I read the obituaries, and, and largely because I, I want to know, uh, did, did, did somebody, you know, if, if somebody in my congregation has passed away, I will know about that. But it might be a relative of somebody in my congregation, and that's some, it's a, a way that I'll find out if, if somebody in my congregation has lost a family member. Um, and I can tell you, so, this, so I've become kind of, a, I've become a, a student of obituaries. And they're very instructive. And to me, there's nothing more depressing than reading an obituary that talks about a person who was successful in the world's terms. And the obituary goes on and on about how he loved to play golf and... He played golf courses all over the world, and uh, he had a beautiful vacation home, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is held up as some kind of a model for a well-lived life. And to me, that's, brothers, that's depressing. Mm-hmm. I think, what an empty legacy. Yeah. But then when I read an obituary of someone who loved God and was called according to his purpose and who dedicated their life to serving the kingdom and to blessing others with the wealth that they had been given, which you, which that kind of a person won't brag about in their obituary anyway. But that that is a wealthy life. Mm-hmm. That is a life where treasures have been laid up in, in heaven. Um, and if, boy, if, if it's all about, you know, me, 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 and the luxuries that he enjoyed here in this world. That, that's, to me, that's just depressing. I remember when my grandfather had died, um, he was one of those very soft-spoken, um, humble, you wouldn't notice him type of guys. But 
all of these people from his town came and, and talked about how he had impacted them here and how he had helped them out here and how he had done these other things. And then when they were going through kind of their financial records afterwards, um, came to realize not only had he done well as far as making sure that his wife was taken care of, but the comment was made, it, it just doesn't seem like it works that he was able to, to give as much money as he was giving. Mm-hmm. And I never knew it um, when he was alive. But afterwards, you you look at it and say that's that's dying well. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, investing in life and being careful and providing in death for his his widow that he had left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just a beautiful model of of how we ought to live: yeah. investing mm-hmm. in life, providing in death. Maybe we could end the series here just by maybe giving a couple resources out uh, out um, so that you can read further up on this. I think one that I would say is really good, it's going to deal with it in one chapter, is a book called Counterfeit Gods uh, by Timothy Keller. And he actually shows how you know money and, and sex and relationships and other things can take the place of God. And he, it's very kind of an experimental type of book in that, that it shows you and tests your heart where you might have a, an idolatry issue over money. Uh, either one of you brothers have a recommendation? I would just mention two real quickly. R.C. Sproul has a book called Five Things Every Christian Needs to Grow, and he has a, a good chapter in there on stewardship. And then um, John Piper's Desiring God has a, a good chapter on, on, I can't remember. Money. Commerce Stop. of the Kingdom or something like that. It's yeah. a... Something, the something. currency of Christian hedonism. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, and I don't have anything to add to those except uh, an amen to both of them and uh, uh, Tim Keller's little book on counterfeit gods, uh, especially powerful, I think. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We hope that these programs have been edifying to you. If you've missed any of them, simply subscribe to our podcast at The Gospel for Life. We hope that you can go and worship with your home local church this weekend. And if you don't have one, Um, go find one. Go worship with God's people. Find a good Bible-believing one. You can visit one of our churches, Cloverdale Reformed Church or Christ Presbyterian Church or The Well or Dayspring. Those are all great churches to get plugged in. (laughs) 